Greetings, podcast friends. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Wisdom from Above. There are thousands of voices that declare human wisdom, but we want to discover divine wisdom. Wisdom from Above. This podcast is designed to help us move beyond the reasonings of men to the revelation of God. It's my personal conviction that we can find that wisdom from above in the Bible. We're in Season 3, which has the theme, Distinctions Worth Knowing. And this episode is distinguishing the three tenses of salvation. You see, there is a depth to the concept of salvation that has not been searched out by most believers. Whenever we see the word saved or salvation in the Bible, most people tend to think of regeneration, which means being born again, or justification, which means being declared righteous. This tendency causes many believers to misinterpret many passages of Scripture. You see, there are some passages that tell us that salvation is a free gift. And there are other passages that indicate that salvation is something that we must work out. A Peanuts comic strip has sophisticated Lucy saying to Charlie Brown, Life is like a deck chair on the cruise ship in that one can see where he has been and where he is going and where he is now. Charlie sighs and mutters, I can't even get mine unfolded. (laughs) Most people are like Charlie Brown when it comes to salvation. They need help unfolding the deck chair of salvation. They need to distinguish between that which is free and that which requires work. They need to see where we've been, where we are now, and where we are going. I say that because salvation is literally used in all three of those ways. Salvation in the Bible is presented in three tenses. There's the past salvation, which is called justification. There's a present salvation, which is called sanctification. And there's a future salvation, which is called glorification. Understanding the distinction between these terms will help clarify a lot of passages that seem to be difficult to understand or seem to be contradictory. Let's look first of all at the past, then we'll look at the present, then we'll look at the future. The past is the justification, salvation. The idea here is that you have been saved. If a person has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross, to pay for their sins, and that he rose from the dead, you have been saved. Romans 5.1 puts it like this, Therefore, having been justified by faith. Notice, having been, past tense. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 also has the same concept. It says, You have been saved by grace, and that not of yourselves. It's a free gift of God. You have been saved. Past tense. And this justification salvation that we're talking about is being saved from the penalty of sin. As you know from Romans, all have sinned, And the wages of sin, the penalty of sin, is death. Spiritual death, separation from God. 
So we're saved from the penalty of sin. This is made clear in verses like Romans 4, 5. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So it's not by works, it's by faith alone that a person is justified, that a person is saved. So that's justification, salvation, where we're saved from the penalty of sin. And at the very moment this happens, you are placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's called spirit baptism. So they have the Holy Spirit baptizing a person into the body of Christ at the very moment they trust in Christ. We read about that in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. So in justification salvation, you have been saved. Our spirit has been redeemed. As we're told in 1 Peter 1, 18, we're not redeemed by from our uh, feudal way of life, from corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot or blemish. So this is a free gift paid for completely by the blood of Christ, by the death of Christ. It's something we simply receive by faith. So that's justification salvation. It took place in the past. You have been saved. We're talking to believers at this moment. If you've not yet placed your faith in Christ, uh, uh, I would encourage you to do so. And then once you make that decision, it's past justification, salvation. Now let's look at present tense of the word salvation. This is referred to as sanctification in the Bible. And uh, sanctification is an ongoing process. It's, it's a, a daily, moment-by-moment, continual growth in our fellowship with Jesus Christ. In sanctification, salvation, you would say it this way, you are being saved. In justification, you have been saved, past tense. In sanctification, salvation, you are being saved. Uh, Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, what's he mean when he says work it out? Well, it means you have been saved. You've been justified. Now you need to work that justification out in your sanctification. You've been given eternal life as a free gift. Now, having received that gift, the challenge is that we would live for God that we would be sanctified. And so Jesus even prays this in his high priestly prayer in the upper room. He, he prays to his father about his followers, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is praying that we would be sanctified. That is to be set apart from sin. We've been saved from the penalty of sin by our uh, justification now we simply, in our daily life, need to be saved from the power of sin in our daily life because sin should not have dominion over us as believers. Paul writes in Romans 5, uh, 9 and 10, much more than having now been justified by his blood, that was the past tense, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, that's, that's something after the justification. We shall be saved. And so... Uh, it's something that happens after justification, this sanctification process. 
We read about that more in uh, Romans 6, 11 to 14. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. So don't let sin reign in your body. He also says, don't present the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. A believer could do that. What should he do? Instead, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin should not have dominion over you, because you're not under law, but under grace. So we see the idea that that we should not allow sin to have dominion over us. We shouldn't give ourselves to sin. We should give ourselves to God. And this is part of the sanctification process. Sanctification is to set apart from something and to something. So we're set apart from sin to our Savior. Set apart from doing that which is wrong to doing that which is right and honoring to God. And again, the Holy Spirit is involved in helping in this process. We read in Ephesians 5.18 that we should not be controlled by a wine or alcohol. We should be controlled by the Spirit. We should be filled by the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is a key in the sanctification process. So while in justification you have been saved in the past, in sanctification you are being saved in the present. In justification, our spirit has been redeemed. In sanctification, our soul is being saved. And so Jesus will say to his followers, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And you'll find rest for your souls. As we, as we obey him, as we walk with him, as we follow his lead, we, we are being saved and we will, our souls will find rest. So it requires obedient uh, a living. I remember uh, Jesus was talking with the disciples, and 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 they were wondering if there was going to be anything for them because of the sacrifices they're making. And and he was saying, "Yes, there will be," but it it required them to be willing to live for him, uh, that not to let their soul be consumed by the world, but rather to be consumed by the love of the Father. Now we come to the future tense. Salvation is also used in a sense that is future, that we shall be saved, and that's called, excuse me, that's called glorification. It's interesting, as we're reading in Romans, in chapter 13, 11, he makes this comment. Salvation is nearer than when we believed. Well, at first, if you just think of salvation in one tense, you think, well, that doesn't make sense. How could it be nearer than when we believed? Well, when we believed, we were justified. But every day, Christ's return grows nearer, and so salvation is nearer, this glorification salvation is nearer than when we first were justified, saved, had justification salvation. Romans thirteen eleven. Peter talks about this also in First Peter one three to seven, where he says, uh, where he talks about a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, and in the last time when Christ comes back, we will 
God will reveal our glorification. That's when we will be glorified with him. We'll receive glorified bodies and we'll be with him and will be saved from the very presence of sin. Romans talks about this idea that we might be glorified, and there's a conditional aspect to it in terms of its degree. He says uh, we're, uh, every believer is a child of God, and of course we'll have entrance into heaven, but those who uh, suffer with Christ will be glorified with him. We read more about this concept in in 1 Peter chapter 5 and uh, verse, verses 1 through 4. Peter is writing, and he's actually writing primarily here to the, uh, the leaders in 1 Peter chapter 5. The leaders of the church, that is. And he says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away." So we have this crown of glory. Then down in verses 10 and 11, he says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered for a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. So there will be various degrees of reward. We're told that uh, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for what we've done, whether good or bad. And if it's bad, it'll just go up in smoke. But if it is good, we'll receive reward for it. And uh, the greater the reward, the greater glory we can bring to God the Father. So uh, justification you have been saved. Justification, salvation, you have been saved is in the past. Saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, salvation, you are being saved, is in the present. Saved from the power of sin. And then glorification, you shall be saved, is in the future, where you're saved from the very presence of sin. And again, the Holy Spirit is involved in that last one, quickening our bodies. We're told in Second Corinthians 5 that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment we die physically, we are transformed and brought up to be with the Lord. And we're present with the Lord. But we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that at that moment when we are brought up, our bodies will be changed. They will be transformed. And, and give, we'll have an eternal body. So in the past... You have been saved from the penalty of sin. That's justification salvation. In the present, you are being saved from the power of sin. That's sanctification salvation. In the future, you shall be saved from the presence of sin. That's glorification salvation. In the past, our spirit was redeemed. In the present, our soul is being saved. In the future, our bodies will be changed and our lives will be rewarded. We see uh, in Colossians 3, let me turn there to Colossians 3, 
23 to 25, where it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So we see that when Christ comes back, we'll receive the reward from the Lord. And we're actually uh, told about that again in the last chapter of the last book, the book of Revelation. And behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus is speaking, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So in glorification, our bodies will be changed and our lives will be rewarded and will be saved from the very presence of sin. So let me just summarize a little bit here. Justification, salvation is past. It's a free gift. We're saved by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ alone. It deals with the penalty of sin. Sanctification, salvation is present. It requires obedience and effort, and it deals with the power of sin. And the Holy Spirit will help us with that. We don't have to do it in our own strength. Glorification salvation is future. It will happen for all believers, but will happen in varying degrees depending on their faithfulness. So here's the challenge. The past is past. The future is in God's hands. The present is a battlefield. And Paul realized that, and he struggled sometimes. He, some, he said, sometimes the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the bad that I don't want to do, I, I find myself doing it. How, who, who can deliver me from this body of sinful flesh? And he realizes it's, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit filling him and, and him yielding to the Holy Spirit and letting him control him that he can find victory. But I want to look a little more at, at, at this whole idea. We can rejoice in our past justification We can look forward to our future glorification, but we must diligently work out our present sanctification. How can we win this battle? I want to suggest three ways. We can be victorious by the grace of God the Father. I love what it says in Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you, giving you both the desire and the ability to do His will. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own strength. But God works in us, and he can give us not only the desire, but the ability to do his will. I also love Hebrews 4.16 that tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find grace to help and mercy in a time of need. Grace to help, strength to take a stand and be all God wants us to be. Mercy in a time of need, forgiveness when we fall. So the challenge I want to give you is to, to tap into God's grace by prayer. God will provide the strength to stand and forgiveness when you fall. He loves you. Second, we can be victorious by the life of Christ. I love Galatians 2.20 that says, I am crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. And Colossians 1, 27 and 28 talks about presenting everyone complete in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us that gives us this hope of being victorious, of being sanctified. So we'll, we will have the ability to gloriously magnify Jesus Christ throughout eternity. And Paul also says of the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we can be victorious by the life of Christ. Trust in him. Here's the challenge. Trust in him to work in you and through you. 
follow Him and strive to become like Him. He empowers us. The Father loves us. The Son empowers us. And then there's a Spirit who energizes us and fills us. We can be victorious by the power of the Spirit. We're told in Galatians 5.16 to walk in the Spirit. We're told in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. So take the back seat. Don't get behind the driving wheel and try to go where you want to. Take the back seat. Let the Holy Spirit lead and yield to Him. And and you know that he, he, he uses the Word of God to speak deeply to our hearts and to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. So we can be victorious by the grace of God the Father. We can be victorious by the life of God the Son. And we can be victorious by the power of God the Spirit. From the beginning, we have chosen to keep wisdom from above, both ad-free and cost-free. If you enjoy this podcast, help us out in a couple ways. Hit the follow or subscribe button so you're notified weekly about each new podcast. Uh, tell others about the podcast. Uh, share, share, share the podcast with your family, with your friends. Give the podcast a five-star rating. Write a brief review. If you do want to donate to my ministry, you can do so at www.teachingtotransform.org. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at harlanbetts at icloud.com. Or you can leave a message on my Facebook page, Wisdom from Above with Dr. Harlan Betts. Thank you for listening. I am honored that you've chosen to partner with me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.